Hey, Hound Dogs. I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And I'm Trevor Hankins. I'm Rachel Wells. And welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. Uh, we're going to this week talk about the graphic novel Pulitzer Prize winner Mouse by Art Spiegelman, uh, which is going through some little controversy at the moment, which we'll get to. Um, first, we want to talk about uh, how did we all find out? We've all read it, which is nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how did we all find out about the book? Rachel? I'll go first. And I yeah. remember um, in the seventh grade, we went, to, we, went on, we went on a field trip to Washington, D.C., and one of the places we went to was the Holocaust Museum. And I, remember, I recall in the gift store, I found this book, Mouse. I never heard of it before, but it was a comic book. So I was like, of course I'm going to buy it. So I bought it, and I, I, I found it utterly fascinating. Um, you know, like that. I think that was the last time I read it. I didn't even read volume two, which is a shame. I'm going to have to read it after this, um, after, after we end here. Oh, yeah. But um, I found it, it's just so totally different than anything else I had read. I... I never really read like underground style comics before, not to mention like, you know, one about something as heavy as the Holocaust. So, yeah. you know, it, it opened like a new world for me. <laughs> right. Well, I first heard of it, and I think I can say this for maybe the other two on the on the show here. Uh, at the, there was a, an exhibit several years ago, I don't remember exactly when, called the Masters of American Comics, and it was a... It, it was an exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art and at the at the Armour Hammer Museum. So it was two different spots you had to go to, and they had a display of about mouse. And I was like, oh. you know, and it was mice that are you know <laughs> being persecuted by you know cats and you know uh, the whole Nazi thing. That was the first time I'd actually heard about it. I was, I'm not a. I was never a. I'll say a real deep into the comic world until recently. Right. But I had never heard about it until then. And I didn't really read it until last year, uh, as it turns out, uh, because I know it kept coming up. Uh, Trevor's really into Bone, and this uh, kept coming mm -hmm. up as an influence of that, so I thought I should actually read it. <laughs> but how did you guys find out about it? Uh, I think we found out about it kind of the same way through that uh, exhibition, and then we had seen and heard about it on and off since then. Uh, but it wasn't until like we took a comics class at uh, CSUN that we uh, actually read it, because it was yeah. a required reading. And uh, it was uh, it was interesting how. Uh, Art Spiegelman was able to talk, tell his father's story that way. Yeah, and it's sort of, if somebody has not read it and is actually watching this or listening to us, uh, it actually tells two stories, really. Mostly yeah. the, the main story is, uh, his name is Vladek Spiegelman's uh, experience uh, through the Holocaust, surviving the Holocaust. And then it's also Art Spiegelman and his relationship with his father, uh, Vladek, and trying to, you know, talk... I guess they were kind of estranged. There's a lot of, you know, family history. I guess the mother committed suicide in '68, and I think Art was in a maybe in a mental home for a little while or whatever. Yeah. But uh, they finally got back together, and as part of that kind of, uh, you can see how the relationship between father and son is not really solid. But they're trying to work through this thing together. Yeah. And it's a yeah. It's a. I mean, the whole story is is. 
uh, chilling. I mean, you know, these are people that were doing well and all of a sudden everything got taken away and they want to kill you, you know, or use you or whatever they were doing to them. Yeah, and through the story you also learn a lot about human nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and uh, Vladik is very, uh, I'll say he's smart because he figures out how he can, sur- he survives this by making himself either hiding from the Nazis or when he gets captured, making himself sort of... Uh, you know, I can work or whatever you can do to survive through this. I mean, you had to really be super lucky and super clever to, to survive. Yeah. As as guys as guys as interesting uh, what he does to survive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess I heard somewhere somebody criticized it. For, so so the Jews are, are represented as mice. Yeah. The Germans are represented as cats, and the Polish are represented as pigs. Right, and I don't think it's trying to say poles, poles or pigs, but it's just another animal. I'm sure he used to do yeah. that. And it was some criticism about using cat and mice as uh, as being stereotypical or something like that. I mean, you, people yeah, criticize well, it for no. Reason. I was reading a lot about just like the background of this book um, in preparation for this. I just wanted to like learn about it. I, th- I learned so many interesting things, but um, one of them is how um, Spiegelman did kind of struggle with portraying um the jews in the book as mice because it it does in a way reinforce a stereotype because you know um during world war ii the germans would portray jews as like vermin as rats on like propaganda posters and they were very much like jews were literally not humans to them so but I, i do think he kind of used that to his advantage you know um especially when you consider like Spiegelman was, not was, he is like an underground comic artist and underground comics are known for portraying things like in a a different sort of way, not like a mainstream sort of way. So this is, this is like, I guess it's sort of a way of like helping it to stand out, helping it to almost ironically humanize the characters and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I think the, you get the sense of, you know, there's, there's a lot of mice, but the cats are dominating them. Yeah. You know, and cats basically kill mice, as you know, in a household situation anyway. So you kind of think of them as more of the kind of the aggressors. On, not that mice right. in your house is a good thing, but I'm just saying generally. So I mean, that also plays with that as well. I think that the um, the the Jews are sort of seen as sort of being there's a Probably there's more Jews than there were German Nazis ordering them around. Right. You know, but you get kind of, you get caught up in that or dominated by that kind of situation. So, you know, I I think it it works both ways. I I hadn't thought about the vermin in the the propaganda. Yeah, it's it's almost a, um, I I had a thought there, like, it's almost... Despite what this Tennessee school board says, like it's not appropriate for our students, I almost feel like Mouse is ideal for maybe not young kids, but like, you know, middle school, high school, because the cat and mouse dichotomy, that's very, that's a very simple thing that we all understand, like cats and mice, they're natural enemies, while things like the Holocaust were man is killing fellow man that's a little bit harder to under it's, it's it can almost be a little bit harder for us to swallow to digest so it's it, it almost kind of i don't want to say dumbed down 
that kind of makes it a little more digestible for certain audiences. Approachable, you know what I'm saying? Else, yeah. I mean, yeah, approachable, yeah. that's a good word. And I think, I think uh, Spiegelman talked about how uh, a comic book will stay with you. He, one reason he doesn't want to, he's been approached, especially recently, about you know, having it adapted. And he thinks that the comic book sort of stays with you better than like a film or an animated series or whatever would. Right, and I think it, you're speaking to people in a, in a accessible language. You know, graphic novels are pretty accessible to most people, and you're oh, telling yeah. a, a real story that is horrific uh, in a way that they can at least. I, I can't say you can relate to it, but you can at least understand it and absorb it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I was gonna say because. I believe the school board said that they want to replace Mouse with another kind of work that would be more, like, appropriate. But um, I feel like you, it would probably be a book, right? Like a, like a written book. And you can't, you can't just replace a graphic novel with a book. Like, mm-hmm. the imagery, the, the way, like, the students would digest, like, what's happening, it's just not going to be the same. And it's such a shame that they made that decision. Well, you, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about everybody else in high school I'm not judging anybody but you know if I was given this really thick book to read I would probably not read it you know because you know exactly not to mention that shit takes hours like reading a book can take hours yes. well yeah. I could read mouse in like a, like a sit down you know it's a long sit down, but yeah, you could. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, but it is uh, but it's it, much easier to read comics than it is to read yeah because yeah. the, um, the, the images, you know, as they say, pictures, you know, are worth a thousand words. <laughs> it it kind of helps you kind of, you can absorb it quicker, I think, visually, than you can just reading a dry recitation about it. Exactly. Now, you've had a, you actually had the um, opportunity to meet a, a Holocaust survivor yeah. in class. Yeah. What mm. was, I mean, he, and he'd written a book. I'm not, I'm not saying his book is dry, but I mean. Right. I mean, what was that like? Uh, well, the book was, like I was, was also talking about it in a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book was still a fascinating account, and it made me, uh, I realized connections with other Holocaust memoirs that I had read before mm-hmm. in another class. Uh, but as a, that was a unique experience to actually meet him. Um, although, um, the exact detail, the details in Mouse probably stuck with me more. Right. No, because I, of, only because it was a visual medium. Right. So, I mean, it's, not, it's not, not to invalidate other Holocaust survivor accounts. No, no, not trying to at all. Uh, and the Holocaust, I mean, it's, it's one of the most horrific things that man's ever done to man. And it was... Uh, trying to eliminate, you know, basically eliminate uh, a whole race of, you know, what are viewed as a race of people, the Jews, from Europe. And if Hitler had more time, he might have been able to do it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a, it kind of, there's a little bit, uh, and people sort of now are using that whole, you know, you hear the Holocaust being used, tossed around about, like, you know, mask mandates and things like that, which is totally stupid way of you know a stupid analogy to make because nobody is nobody's going to uh kill you if you don't wear a mask you know yeah yeah it's just yeah like i i 
I'm getting the impression, like in recent years, I mean, I'm not like a teacher or anything, I'm not in right. schools, but I'm getting the impression that a lot of kids like aren't getting adequate Holocaust education. Like people are forgetting what happened, not to mention Holocaust survivors are dying. Right. Yeah. Um, they're not gonna. There's not gonna be right. soon. There won't be any left to tell their story, which is why stories like Mouse are so vital. Yeah, to and keep this, in schools. This will obviously outlive Art Spiegelman and you know his father's. You know, I I've, I think his father's already died, but I mean this this will live on for as long as people can you know buy books. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a great it's a great source uh, for seeing what how somebody's lived through that situation yeah um so we were talking with the reason we brought this up and again we're not trying to act like we're experts on <laughs> mouse or uh, education and all that kind of stuff we're just people that are concerned about some of the things we're seeing going on right now and and mouse being sort of a, a flashpoint because um, it was recently now technically not banned they just removed it from the curriculum which I sort of view as sort of similar to saying, well, you know, Romeo and Juliet, they're really young kids and they commit suicide, so we don't want our kids to read that, which means they'll probably it's never. Violent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they'll probably then never read it because they're not being introduced to it. And in in, in some of the, you know what I mean? So the fact that you're taking this away from people as, a, as a, something mm -hmm. to learn means they're not gonna probably, they may not come across it. They, there's a, I know there was a bookstore nearby that was going to give it away to students if they wanted it. Um, uh, but, I mean, the idea, though, you're just sort of denying people this um, access to this in a way, or trying to yeah. act, to deny it. Even though it's, yeah, yeah, it's not banned, it's just put aside in, in the box in the garage. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it may not be an outright ban, but it's still, it's, it still stands as a, this recent pattern of removing books from children's purview or outright banning them, or saying this is inappropriate for kids, like just kind of this sort of controlling the narrative. I don't know if it's the right term, but um, you know, as we were discussing before the show started, a lot of right-wing people are like taking a stand against books, certain books saying they're inappropriate for kids, even though it's just maybe like a book about queer LGBT issues, right. a book about race. Um, it's definitely a part of this broader pattern. Yeah, that's the uh, it's a state representative in Texas name. I think it's Matt Krause, and he has a list of 850 books that he thinks are inappropriate for uh, young people to read. And, and no one's advocating that this be the first book you get in first grade. This is something you probably wouldn't be introduced to until you're like middle school or something. But at that point, you should be able to see a naked mouse. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you've heard the word damn a few times But by the time you're that age. So the, the fact that the, that's the reason they're trying to protect the children from this book is, is silly. It's, it's, yeah. You just don't want them to really know the horrors of this thing. So when you say this is like the Holocaust, they'll go, oh, I guess so, because you know, I don't want to think about it. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I believe Spiegelman, in response to all this, said something like, why can't we teach a nicer part of the Holocaust? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the, sc the scary thing is I think there's probably somebody that's, you know, hmm, what is, you know, that you can't just have, what was it, someplace in, uh, another place in Texas, I want to say, and I'm from there, so it's okay for me to criticize the state. <laughs> um 
there was somebody that was sort of, uh, well, you know, that wasn't appropriate. They wanted to teach something else other than the Holocaust or something like that. Some sort of, uh, mm. you know, nicer, you know, the Germans weren't so bad kind of a thing in the, during Nazism, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that time the Germans were really mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that second time the Germans were, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, there's this, uh, the Krauss list in Texas is aiming at books that are about non-white, non-heterosexual experiences, uh, which is sort of, um, I think for a lot of kids, that's maybe the way that they realize that they're not alone. You know that they're Absolutely. they're black and gay, and oh look, there's a guy that wrote about that experience. You know, so to deny to yeah. deny them of that access uh, is just and and why are you doing that? Because you you, yeah. know, you think God's on your side or something? You know, it's okay to repress freedom of speech. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, I recall last last year's elections, the um you know like municipal elections. No one cares about those, but I care about those. Um, some of the school board candidates were absolute nuts, like ab absolute nuts. Um, one of them, I recall, I was looking over her Facebook. I like to research the candidates I vote for, and she yeah. was saying all these. She's listing all these books that she thought were like inappropriate. Like the school district wants to teach these books about nudity and sex to children. Can you believe this? I look at the books. It was just a bunch of um, LGBT memoirs. Yeah. And the, I think that's the kind of books that the governor of Texas referred to as pornographic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, honestly, like the fact that kids are reading um, LGBT comics in school, I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> More of that. Um, that's awesome. One of the things that, um, you know, kind of uh, helped me. I grew up in a time where you know gay marriage was not something that was happening, and uh, Paul Begala, who was a commentator at CNN and had been on the Clinton uh, on his campaign, talked about the fact that uh, just because another man marries a man doesn't mean that my marriage is at risk, you know. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's the same idea that just because you read about someone else's sexuality doesn't mean you're going to adopt that. Or become that, or and what is wrong if if you do, you know? So yeah, I one hundred percent think it's these. I think most people that are complaining about like pornographic books in schools aren't. They wouldn't be concerned otherwise. But it's a few actors that are planting these ideas of like, if your kid reads a book about a trans person, that means they're going to be trans too, and that means their their whole life will be ruined. Right. Um, and they just they just plant this idea on like social media, and that shit spreads like wildfire. And suddenly, no one wants LGBT books in school. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing with critical race theory. That's the exact thing that happened with critical. No one would care about critical race theory if it weren't for like oh, I was just watching a video about it. I wish I could remember more details, but it was like this one guy at spouted nonsense about it and suddenly everyone cared about it but they're not teaching it anywhere that's the thing that you know they're not teaching critical race theory in any school district in the country but you can't have that happen yeah you know, it's so much fear-mongering and um like moral what do you call it moral panic it's, it's moral panic yeah, yeah i guess um and the yeah so it's it's just a bad thing altogether yeah now um 
censorship of comic books is really nothing new because uh, they 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 formed the uh, what was it the Comics Code Authority yeah kind of yeah. in 1954 to keep the government from because uh, from regulating them sort of like the Production Code Administration in Hollywood uh, and you know because they were getting gory and uh, horror and it was you know bad for kids kind of a deal. Uh, so the idea that you can control that, all that did was start the underground comic book movement that Spiegelman came from. Oh, yeah. Because people yeah. want to be able to say those things. And it it gives you a, a it, it makes things from that time not really historically accurate in a way. Uh, and I, I, I kind of go back to uh, my first experience seeing Patton, the movie. I was like eight years old, seeing it at a drive-in. <laughs> And the fact that he cursed, I didn't know people from the 40s cursed because everything I've ever seen from the 40s, you know, my arm got shot off, gosh dang it, oh, that's really gonna hurt tomorrow, you know. And he was out there just cursing up a storm. Yeah. Like, I didn't know they had, I didn't know they cursed in the 40s. <laughs> you know, because no, you know, so, I mean, you give us false sense of, if you look at movies from the 40s, nobody curses, but in reality, they were, you know, cursing. Yeah. And I'm sure- just, it, That reminds me of, um, my husband and I have been watching the new Vox Machina on Amazon. Um, just came out, and um, you know it's like a cartoon, but they're all saying like "fuck" and "shit," and I'll, I don't think I'll ever get used to like seeing, hearing "fuck" in a cartoon because it's just so <laughs> unusual, you know. Yeah, uh, you kind of don't want it to be the uh, go-to uh, the way to express yourself, you know. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you kind of hope that people can think of a better, you know, something. F I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not. I haven't seen this, but I mean, you hope that they could come up with something funnier than just saying "fuck." Or, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so well, the idea is that they're supposed to be like crass and rude. Right. Right. So. Well, there was I, I I know I mentioned it before, and I'm going to mention it again here. Albert Brooks had a thing one time about uh, trying to relate to a crowd of people that were at a concert. He was opening for Richie Havens, which was a '60s kind of a, a singer. And they were all booing him and stuff. And so he he goes, mm -hmm. I I said a word. It's a miracle word. In case you're in that situation down in it was in San Antonio, Texas. He goes, I said the word shit. And suddenly, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hats come on the stage. I have to rearrange my schedule. You know, they're building a statue in the park. Remember when you said shit? You know, like, so. <laughs> but you know, you kind of hope that that's you don't have to go to that level to, uh, you know, get people to laugh or to understand stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's the thing. Like with Mouse, they said like, "Oh, we're we're moving from the curriculum because it has swear words." It's like there's other books in the curriculum that have swear words. Like, when yeah. it's like, "Oh, because there's nudity." It's like, "Oh, so you're not gonna teach like Michelangelo or any or any like art history like that anymore?" And it's yeah. like, "Oh, it's because it's violence." Well, it's the Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What more well, excuses do you have? And the nudity is not. It's it's a nude mouse yeah you know, i did not see nudity in volume one so it must be in volume two i i was looking up trying to see what was the image that was you know that that they were using as this example and i didn't see they weren't using a female nudity they were showing the these men i guess being you know they they take off your clothes and send you to the showers oh, yeah. and so you see nude male mice you know with little you know Right. things uh, I don't remember seeing that in the book at the time because you know the books the images are really small in the book. Right. but uh, you know that was the thing when that was nudity and I was like it's a mouse 
it's not. Well, probably they they didn't, they didn't list male. They didn't list just nudity. They listed female nudity. So yes, and that's the part I didn't. I, I I I couldn't find that or reference to it, and I didn't want to go through the whole book page by page looking for a naked mouse. Right. But uh, <laughs> it just seems that just seems. But then also then if there's male nudity and it's the female nudity that we're worried about. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like you, on Tom. I don't know if you call it on, on Tumblr they specifically banned like female nipples yeah not male nipples right. but female ones yeah men, <laughs> men can walk down the street topless but women cannot yeah exactly but it, it all seems so arbitrary doesn't it <laughs> yes but it can also see <laughs> i think we're getting off topic yeah, a little bit off topic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh so is do we want to wrap this up then or i mean we 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 disagree obviously with taking it out of the curriculum yeah we do encourage people to read it uh just oh yeah a must read yeah if for no other reason then it's topical at the moment but it is also it's a yeah. really, it's a really well done book yeah it is if you can That's get it on amazon <laughs> it might yeah. be is it still sold out i don't know yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i remember reading that uh the 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 ban uh caused sales to spike <laughs> That yeah. was like it was sold on yeah. Amazon. Yeah, that's the Streisand effect. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the, yeah, and it's the idea that uh, it's kind of it's good though that people would wonder why why is this? I assume part of it is why is this oh, a big yeah. deal? Yeah. It's good that this is getting like in front of eyes. Maybe people that had never read Mouse before will read it now because of the coverage. Right. It's like the most genius um, promotion campaign for any comic. <laughs> you know, well, anytime you ban something, you just make it more, you know. It's true. It's, it's more enticing. It's the yeah. forbidden fruit aspect. Yeah. You know, look at, you know, they banned alcohol. People still will drink, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Just had to go into speakeasy. That's how we got yeah. organized crowd. Yeah, it's right. yeah, a really, really smart move there. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to share fun facts about Mouse that I read about. Okay. Um, to find very fascinating. Um, so Mouse is the first and today only comic book to have won a Pulitzer. Right. Um, it came out four months before An American Tale, the movie. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that was by design. So like apparently he wanted to come out with a trade paper book, Spiegelman I mean he learned that this movie and American Tales coming out and he didn't want, you know, unfavorable comparisons because right. it's both Jewish mice escaping um, like tre treachery in mm -hmm. Europe. Yeah. So um, he specifically came out with just part of the comic volume one so that it could be out in time before the movie and that's why it's divided into two volumes. Huh. Now, yeah, he'd been working on this since like 1978, and he finally put started. Oh, yeah, and he was printing it, serializing it in a magazine that he and his wife were doing called Raw. And yeah, I found that also fascinating how he was publishing it in a, his his him and his wife's magazine. I think yeah. that's great. And then uh, finally put out. You know, I think it was finally published in 1991. Yeah, part part one. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very yeah. it's a. It's yeah. You know, I mean, the, even the story about the comic itself, or the graphic novel itself, is interesting. So it's it's a you know. Um, it is. It's also apparently like the comic with the most scholarly articles written about it. There's this whole little cottage industry 
of scholars that want to write about mouse. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of at some point you have to have a you you have to have an original idea about it. So I mean, it's yeah, at some point you're gonna you think you'd run out of ideas about something. <laughs> Like you'd run out of ways well, to document the Beatles. I think it's just so rife with Mouse is so rife with imagery and themes and emotions. I think there's a there's a lot there. Obviously, <laughs> what's one what's really interesting to me is you you admire Vladek, but he's not a nice guy. You know, he's he, very human. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's very human. Yeah, and he's he's a little out for himself and I, I imagine this whole the experience of the Holocaust would make you kind of that way to a certain degree uh, but he's yeah he's not like the greatest dad in the world either, you know or <laughs> greatest guy in the world and his second marriage she hates him basically or they hate each other you know that kind of stuff it's it's uh he's a very flawed flawed person to be but he's at the same time the protagonist yeah. of this story yeah. you still appreciate his story and you still you know, you're rooting for him during World War II when you're seeing him just trying to survive. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, that, that's, you know, that's a, have a hero that's not likable is, is a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. So yeah, it it, is. there's a lot of layers to it. I guess you could, you could do a thing about that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Are there any other facts about Mouse? That's all I recall. Right. <laughs> I'm sure there's way more, but yeah. but you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Anything, Charlie? There's like volume one was in 1986, and volume two is in 1991. Okay, 86, 91. Okay. Fair enough. In any case, it's still be spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, American Tale. It's a very different story, yeah. <laughs> but similar themes, though. Yeah. So until next time, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. I'm Trevor Hankins. And I'm Rachel Wells. And you've been on the air with Power Squared. Uh -huh.